we've been looking at the fivefold ministry, and we've shifted. I've taught this for 30-something years, and, and I, there's been a shift. Y'all, I don't know about you, but since January the 1st, Revelation has been coming to me in an accelerated manner. I can't contain it. Words can't express it. I try to explain it, and I get confused. But I'm getting something, and I hope that you are too. But as I understand the five-fold ministry, that's apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching out of Ephesians 4. I begin to see that Jesus is all five of those. He's the full measure of it. I've got a slide presentation, PowerPoint presentation that will knock your socks off. Nobody's seen it first. I'm telling you it's powerful. I can talk to you today about that five-fold ministry, how that fits together with motivational gifts and manifestation gifts and ministry gifts. I'm understanding that in a way that I can actually communicate it. But here's what I heard the Lord saying. Because see, last week we talked about Jesus the prophet, and we didn't get through it because I spent too much time at the beginning. <laughs> and so today I was going to talk about Jesus the prophet and you know, this, this week I've been wrecked. I see a post from one of our elders out there, Bill Buckley, says, talk to me about the wrath of God. And I went, oh boy, you're sending me on a trip there. I began to ponder fear of the Lord. And uh, did you put that slide thing on there? Look, I'm not using it. I'm not. Because here's what, don't, 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 don't shut it down though. It, look, I want to show you what you're going to miss. Because, because, because the reason is, here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. Fear of God, let me get that, that I just got to get this out of my system. Fear of the Lord, where is that today? Where is it? We're going to talk about that at some point. But we have gotten so, I believe we've gotten so caught up in the fullness of God's grace, which is right. It's with an exclamation point. If, if you're not being accused of talking about grace too much, then you're not talking about it enough. I'm convinced of that. But I think in that setting, we have moved away from being able to receive a prophetic word. There was a time when you would walk into a building where people were worshiping and there was a little bit of fear inside of you. And it wasn't of people. It was of God. Where is that today? Where are the prophets that I grew up with? You know, the Keith Green and the, and the Leonard Ravenhill. Where are they today in this generation? I think God is raising up a prophetic generation. I believe the church is waking up to a prophetic edge that we need. But y'all, it's not going to look the same. I kind of feel like, you know, we're recording our messages. It makes me, this, it's a good thing because if you're not here, then you can listen to it. But here's where I think we're headed. If you don't come here, you're not going to get it. You won't get it by listening just to the message. Because I think we're going to have some encounters in this room together that can't be recorded. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I could talk to you about Jesus the prophet. Pete, I'm going to just ask you to burn some of those up there just so they can see 
just some of the fun stuff I've done with it. Okay, we would see Jesus. That's what the world can see. But here's the simply Jesus version. Fill that page up and I'm done with any teaching. The apostle is sent by the Father, speaking the word of God, bringing good news of the kingdom, showing the love of the Father, personifying the very truth that sets us free. All of that gives you a, a full picture of Jesus. Now, just do the next part, and I'm not going to talk through it. Just do it, fill that up. Watch this. This is fun. What? Oh, bless your heart. I was almost out. Holly? Holly did that? Holly, I sure do love the Jesus mercy that I see in you. You knew I was my... Because you've been, you've been, uh, you knew my mouth was dry. Holly's a, teacher. Holly, Holly's a teacher. I won't do this anymore, okay? But I'm just going to, are you okay for me to just, she's, she's actually got a PhD. She looks like she's in junior high, of course. But <laughs> Tom, you, you really are a blessed man there, right? But, and she teaches, she's turning red. She has such a strong mercy gift. She had mercy on my dry mouth and went and got me some water. Thank you. That's Jesus in you. I honor him. All right, you can close everything down. Isn't that interesting? There's a whole nother two or three things. Y'all, I can talk about Jesus the prophet today. I've got so much stuff that I could give you, and it's good. But here's what I heard the Lord saying. You can talk about me, and this is what we often do in church, y'all. We give an introduction of who Jesus is and never let him speak. We talk about him, and we don't listen to him. We say that he speaks. We say that he's interactive in our lives, but we don't give him the opportunity to do what he wants to do in us. This, this is something that can't be recorded. So, Wednesday nights are student ministry nights. And student ministry here means students doing ministry. And uh, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, because I, I, I've been camped out and trying to understand the fear of God. <laughs> I can't give you one verse. Exodus chapter 20, just look at this really quickly. Oh, God, help us get this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. We looked at it, and I've never seen it. But look at this. 19, didn't see it until actually yesterday. 19, you speak to us, and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us, or we will die. Now, get this. Verse 20, this is 2020 vision here, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Watch this. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. So he was telling them, don't be afraid. For God has come to test you so that you will fear him. You, everybody say, you will fear him. Okay, so say, don't be afraid. And you will fear him. Isn't that strange? 
Let me tell you what that means. You will fear him and will not sin. God is wanting to wake us up, y'all. A prophetic word, if you want to, if you, those that receive a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. We in the church don't know how to receive prophets anymore. They have to become itinerant. They have to go in, blow in, blow up, and blow out. Because they, when they shut corn, nobody likes it. But we need to understand that when the prophetic word comes through Jesus, it's one out of love. And all of the gifts are given to us so that we can, we can be like Jesus in loving the world. I want all of it peeled off of me, don't you? God's been gracious and he hasn't done it all at once. Thank you, Lord. So I could either talk to you about Jesus the prophet or let one of our high school students just be it. Can one of our high school students come up and just be it? I've asked Isaac, who is my son, my youngest son, in whom I'm well pleased. And... uh, you know, I, I have not screened this. He has not told me what all he's going to share. But I did tell him to be ready. So here's what I want you to do. You ask God right now, give me ears to hear what you're wanting to say to me. Because Jesus wants to make this personal in each of our lives. I could teach about prophet. I could talk about Jesus being a prophetic person. Oh, I'm, leave that. You're going to use that, aren't you? I could do that. But just as I saw Jesus in Holly, in mercy, this guy right here has a motivational gift to prophet. He sees things black and white. There's no gray. Well, if it's gray, it's very gray. Don't try to convince him that it's black or white, possibly. So you listen. Lord, give us ears to hear. Son, I hope you feel free right now. You, you, you all right? <clears throat> All right, so I want to give just kind of give a little background of, so I, I kind of spoke this on Wednesday, so for all of you that were there Wednesday, uh, I hope you get wrecked again, because um, I know I did, but uh, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background of how all this came to me, and then I'm going to go for it. So I was driving my car Wednesday afternoon, headed back home from school, and I was sitting there and something, the Lord just kind of led me to ask um, Luke or Coach or whatever you call him um, to, if, like, who's speaking tonight and so, or that night. And so I, I text him and, and uh, he says, I have no idea. And I was like, well, I kind of feel like I might should, but I was sitting there and I was kind of struggling with my own things at that point and I kind of just like was feeling some condemnation, some conviction, um, just a lot of stuff that was just weighing me down. And I was like, I feel like I should say that I want to speak, but I don't think I'm in the place to do it. And it's funny because whenever dad asked me to speak again today, I was in the exact same place. It was like pride just kind of welled up in me. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I should. And so I'm sitting there driving in the car, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I should speak, um, if I should ask that. And I was like, but you know what? I'm going to say, say I want to anyways. I'm just going to ask the Lord to continue to deal with that. So I say, can, um, can I speak? And instantly there's a song comes up on my playlist, Play, playlist is on shuffle, and uh, it's called um, Take Courage by Lindy Conant, okay, and uh, we all have heard that song, I feel, well, not all of us, a lot of us have heard, heard that song, because we sung it a lot in here, and it's, like, one of the words to it is, or one of the lines to it is, take courage, the harvest is right, um, lift up your hands, because Jesus is alive, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, all right, so 
I'm feeling like I shouldn't do it because of the condemnation and stuff in me. But you know what? I got to take courage because Jesus is alive, and that's already been conquered, right? Okay, so that leads to the next thing. I get home, and I'm like, I get on my knees, and like, if you're around me, right, been around me in the last couple months, you've heard me talking about how, or the last couple weeks, you've heard me talking about how I'm reading about Keith Green and reading his, the book about him called No Compromise, right? And so I get on my knees, I'm, I'm just praying, and I'm like, dear God, like, I know you've, uh, you have uh, made me new, and like, I'm remembering in Romans 6, verses uh, 17, or something like that, we'll get there later, so we'll know for sure, um, about how it says that um, we are no longer enslaved to sin, but enslaved to righteousness, right? And I'm like, okay, so I know that I'm not enslaved to, sl- enslaved to sin, I'm enslaved to righteousness, Lord, but help me actually realize that. I'm tired of just, like, saying that and not realizing it, all right? So I'm on my knees, I'm just crying out to God, and he's just absolutely wrecking me, okay? And then, um, I remember in, uh, in uh, No Compromise, there's this uh, one part where Keith Green, he's already, like, seen such awesome stuff happen. Man, like, absolutely exemplifies a life completely and wholly surrendered to God. And there's this one part where he, he already has, like, 50 people living in his house because he's, like, wanting, because he's seen them come to know the Lord, but he doesn't want them to be um, growing in the Lord alone. And he's already surrendered so much. And then he comes to this place where he says, he, in quotes, he says, I've been saved again. But you know, like, that's, he, he later on just says, like, he was just seeing it black and white. Like, he, uh, he was saying, like, now I've, he, he actually came to a place where he surrendered everything is what he was saying. And um, one of the parts that he, uh, he says is, um, is uh, this is what he introduces it whenever he's, like, telling everyone about it. He says, he says, Keith explained, fallow ground is ground that was once tilled, but has been gotten, but has gotten hard and unusable. Before it can receive seed... It needs to be broken up, made soft again. Finney says, break up the fallow ground of our heart. We need to examine our motives, actions, and the state of our mind very carefully. So he gotten this word from Charles Finney, a book that he was reading about fallow ground, right? And so I'm, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, dear God, I've had a lot of awesome things happen in my life. I've seen a lot of great things happen, Lord, but I've become fallow ground, Lord, and I just need you to break that up in me right now. And so I'm sitting there, I'm getting wrecked, and then what I felt like the Lord was wanting me to say to our youth group, and now to y'all today, is this. We are fallow ground. You sit there, and you're like, Isaac, you don't know me. Well, I'm a God-fearing American. I'm not fallow ground. I vote for goodness sakes. I'm not fallow ground. Or you sit there and you're like, Isaac, come on now. I only get mad at people whenever they deserve it. I'm not fallow ground. Y'all. We've seen so many awesome things happen in this church. We've seen so many great things happen in this church. We've seen so many promises fulfilled. We've seen so many uh, prophecies, for, prophecies given. We've seen, we see so much potential of what the Lord wants to do in and through us, and, and in and through the city, and in and through the state, y'all. But guess what? We are fallow ground. And until we allow that to be broken up, God's not going to allow us to step into the next stage that he wants us to step into. 
We have gotten killed and all that stuff, and we sit there, and now we've been waiting, but we've not taken any action to surrender, and now the ground's become hardened. The seed can't be planted. The harvest is not ripe because we won't break up the ground. So, I'm going to read a little bit more about from Charles Finney, okay? So get ready for your uh, socks to get knocked off, okay? <clears throat> so, this is what Finney says. My experiences taught me that the value of revival to any community depends on the, upon the thoroughness with which the fallow ground is broken up in the hearts of Christians. When the hearts of the membership of the church are hard and blind, and they are not in great measure conformed to, in, and they are in great measure conformed to this world, the preacher sows among thorns. They must be revived. Their hearts must be broken up. They must confess their backsliding. They must repent, have their faith renewed, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ as a condition of their prevailing, either among God or man. A worldly-minded church is the greatest hindrance to the success of the gospel in any place. Once again, you are sitting there and like, (laughs) first off, you're calling me fallow ground, and now you're calling me worldly-minded. Well, you're dang skippy. Because right now, I know that there are people in here that are not living out the Romans 6, 17 lifestyle, all right? You are not enslaved to righteousness. You are not, and you're not just struggling with sin. You are enslaved to sin right now. There are people in this room enslaved to pornography. There are people in this room enslaved to anger. There are people in this room right now who, who, are, who are enslaved to the mindset of not knowing how much their worth is. You're not living out God's commandment to love others as you love yourself. Because you know what? Yeah, that that. that means loving others, but God wants us to love others, which means that if he wants us to love others, and he says love others as we love ourselves, there must be some little bit of of loving ourselves. And I think that's one thing that we really need to get a hold of, because I'm tired of people not understanding that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God had you on his mind whenever he died on the cross for your sins. So if that's you today, you need to repent any of those things. We all need to repent. I'm still in a place for repentance. There's people in here that are enslaved to pride. I'm enslaved to pride. No, I'm not. I'm enslaved to righteousness. So, I want to read. This is what has been absolutely wrecking me these last couple of weeks. Romans 6, okay? It's really good. I'm going to read every single word of it, and you're going to get over it. Romans 6, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Dad was just talking about how we, how we get, how we've been talking about the grace and all that stuff. Well, y'all, we've been talking about the grace quite a bit. And I feel like we've gotten to the point where we've been with this mindset. We're not realizing that we have to die to, to, to all the things that we've been living in, okay? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism. 
into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is free from sin's claims. Whew! Does that not get y'all hyped up just a little bit? Look, I know. I'm sorry. I've been a little mean. But this is the good news right here, y'all. This is why we can be a little mean because, look, you can sit here and you can be offended, okay? You can be a little bit offended right now. You can be sitting there and be like, this man has no idea what he's talking about. I am not fellow ground and I'm not worldly minded. Well, listen, right now, if you're getting offended, then you're a complacent Christian. You're a complacent Christian, right? You can be sitting there thinking, I'm not fallow ground. I've been seeing stuff growing in my ministries for years now. Y'all, I don't know a lot about agriculture and all that stuff, but I'm pretty sure this is something that actually happens. If you plant, if you plant, let's say, peanuts for a long time and don't ever change the crop up just a little bit, then that ground ends up losing the, the nutrients that it needs to produce peanuts. And y'all, we've gotten so caught up in trying to make waves of Christianity in our churches and in our lives that we have not allowed God to change the crop a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. So now back at verse 8. Now if we die with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer has rule over him. How are you not getting hyped up right now? I'm sorry, I'm screaming, but this is just too good not to scream. We sing songs like shout it, I'm going to scream it from the mountains. How come we come into church and we sit there? Get hyped up a little bit, please. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now listen, now that you're getting hyped, I'm going to say something else. I do not want people to come in here getting hyped about this and not allowing it to transform your lives. So allow this to resonate, okay? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. For what then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves uh, slaves of that one you obey. Either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Thank you, God, 
that although you used to be, although you used to thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were transferred to. Ooh, and this verse right here gets me. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so offer, yourself, offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. Verse 21. So what fruit was produced then from the things you were now ashamed of? For the end of those things is dead. But now, since you have been liberated from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, what am I trying to say here? Don't really know. Just kidding. <clears throat> What I believe God wants to do in our church, y'all, what I believe he wants to do to take us to the next step is he wants to bring us to our knees in realization of how holy he is and how sinful we are. And then at that point, we will realize, look, y'all, we need to die this crap because it's not satisfying. It's fleeting. And whenever that happens, we will become enslaved to righteousness and walk in life so well that revival would happen on accident. So, what am I going to do here? Can I go with this, Dad? All right. I want everyone in here to put yourselves, change your posture in some way, Okay? Put yourselves in a position of receiving, all right? And I want you to try to picture what I'm going to read, okay? I saw the Lord seated on high in lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sounds of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Dear God, right now, Lord, we ask, Father, that you would shake the foundations of your throne room right now, Lord, and that everything in our lives, Father, that is shakable, Father, would fall off to the ground, Lord. We lay it at your feet right now, Father, and that all that would remain is your unshakable kingdom, Lord. Then I said, woe is me, 
for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and because my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Y'all, we in here, a lot of us have grown up going to church since before we were born. We've seen the Lord of hosts, but we still have not come to the place of repentance. And y'all, today's the time to come to a place of repentance, to lay it all down, no more sitting in shame and wallowing in shame. It's time to die to that so that we can actually live in life. I'm tired of a complacent church. I'm tired of seeing people go just in their everyday walks and only giving their Sundays and Wednesdays. The Lord doesn't just want your Sundays and Wednesdays. He wants your life. Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Dear God, right now, Lord, we ask, Father, that you would just forgive us, Father. That you would forgive us, Lord, for living among a people, of, for being people of unclean lips, and living among, among a people of unclean lips. For being people enslaved to pornography, for being people enslaved to anger, for being people enslaved to, to pride, Father, to shame, Father. Right now, Lord, we, we just repent, Lord, for not realizing what you have called us to be, Father, and not walking in the life that we know that you have given to us. this is where it gets good, y'all. Then one seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth, and with it said, Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, and your sin is atoned for. Dear God, we thank you, Father, for your grace that you've extended to us, Lord, that whenever we confess what we've been, been walking in, whenever we surrender what we've been walking in, whenever we repent to what we've been walking in, Father, and we just give it all to you, Lord, that you come with your grace, Father, and you touch our lips. and You purify us, Lord. So right now, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you would just purify us, Father, that your blood would just flow over us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at just grace extended to you. Because if you stop and just allow fruit to be produced in your own life, and you just stop there and don't do anything else, that's whenever fallow ground's created. That's whenever a complacent church is created. That's whenever a church that is asleep in the light is created. A church that is asleep in the light whenever the world is asleep in the dark. Keith Green says, in one of his songs, he says, Jesus rose from the, from the dead, but you can't even get out of bed? You can't even take a step forward and do what God's called you to do in loving others around you 
and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? You just want to sit in your own box and be happy? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me.